Welcome. This is One Hour of Sunshine. I'm your hostess, Megan Joy Haverda. We are filming out of the Sandbox in Santa Barbara, California, a co-working hub for entrepreneurs and change makers. This show is for business leaders that are willing and ready to admit that they use their intuition in business and to navigate their lives. This show will elevate and normalize intuitive skills in the workplace and allow such skills to be seen as great assets to companies, organizations, communities, and families. Our guest today is Barbara Savage, the founder of the Tribal Trust Foundation. She's a filmmaker, author, philanthropist, mama, and Native people's advocate. We'll be speaking with her in a moment, so stay tuned for her story as an intuitive. Every show, I share an intuition of the day. And (laughs) they often, you know, drumming them up often makes me cry. So this morning, I had this like, raw, deep cry. It was great. Oh, it was wonderful. I never used to cry. Um, I came up with the intuition of the day yesterday, but today, thinking about it further, it made me cry. And we're talking about Native medicine today, Native histories, Native culture, Native tradition. And um, I've astrally projected, and I dream lucidly every night. So I I can really (laughs) relate to the Native people I've met around the world like you, Barbara. Um, and so the other night I had a very lucid dream and it was so specific. Every little micronutrient of the dream was so interesting and potent that I woke up and I wrote it down. I would, I don't always write them down, but I did write this one down and it was really unpacking, um, the out of this world connection between my baby's father and me. We don't necessarily get along on this realm all the time, but we get along really well on the soul level and on the spirit level. And, you know, some Native cultures believe in parallel realities. And I've, I've really been asking myself lately, okay, maybe it's time to get to know dream work. Maybe it's time to find an expert in dream work. And, you know, maybe you know someone. So I thought, I'm going to bring this up today in the intuitive Um, intuition of the day discussion because I get a lot of information about life in my dreams and I bet many 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 people do and they just don't know what to do with it or how to decipher it or you know what's what's babble and what's drama and what's stress and what's really the gems that you should be paying attention to so I wanted to share this kind of vulnerable <laughs> dream. I actually, I shared it with him, which was awesome. And he wrote back and said, wow, what a dream, because it was so specific. Um, but I would like to say to the audience, you know, if you remember your dreams or you can analyze your dreams while the dream is happening, that's lucid dreaming. That's you mm. observing the dream while the dream is going on, and that is information that is worth paying attention to. I'm not a dream expert, but it's good stuff. So that is the intuition of the day. Oh, excellent. (laughs) (laughs) So Barbara, with um, all the time you've spent with indigenous healers and women and tribes, what would you say dreams are? I 
I absolutely believe dreams are um, the vehicle for, at least in my case, for indigenous people to use their spiritual technology to communicate um, across worlds. So the people that I work with, are uh, um, most of them were hunter-gatherers or they live in the most remote areas that don't have electricity, they don't have tech, you know, our Western technology, um, such as cell phones, um, and really any, any, anything. <laughs> so how they've communicated with me over the past 20 years is to come to me in either meditation or the dream time yeah. and tell me what, um, what the pressing need is within their community for cultural preservation or in some cases, um, the risk of, of losing their lives. Yeah. yeah. And they, within the dream, they can also communicate to me exactly where they are, which is remarkable because for example, the first, um, the first, I would call it like a spiritual calling instead of phone call, it's a spiritual call came, um, from a spiritual leader of Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. the Shona people, Matuto. And I had, I honestly had never been to Africa before. I'd only, raising my children, I'd only been certainly around the United States, um, Mexico, Club Meds, and sure. Europe. And it was really <laughs> limited to that. And I, I have an adventuresome spirit, but I never even considered traveling anywhere else. But when, when someone calls up on the, for us even, on, our, on the phone, or, or you read some compelling um, story on the computer, and it, and it's and it activates you to um, to respond in such a way that you're driven yeah. and passionate about about this because um, you realize that you can be of service and can help. I feel that for me, it's actually more profound to to listen to my dreams and my intuition than it is to have um, not this interview, of course, but <laughs> regular, you know um, dialogue <laughs> um, or using our our Western technology. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand. And I wrote this lovely little thing about you, so I'm going to say it, but what you're talking about relates exactly to page two. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so I just want to say for the audience's sake that in 1996, you founded the Tribal Trust Foundation, and its mission is sharing indigenous wisdom and culture to support Mother Earth and global healing. And you've been, your life has been threatened many times, and you've continued to do this work religiously, and um, your passion is stronger than ever, and I'm so glad you're here today. One of the things that I was going to ask you later, but we seem to be <laughs> in tune, <laughs> um, you know, I worked in international development. It's actually how you and I met through Annabelle Ford and El Pilar, which is a binational peace park in Belize and Guatemala. But when I was crossing the desert um, in Mali, I had brought all these things to share with people and barter with people. And I thought, yeah, this will be great. And I remember really being very, very hungry in the middle of nowhere. And it was like two tents, two men, 10 women, 14 children. And the women basically, without any language between us, sat me in a circle and we were sharing just energy mm -hmm. and I had some chapstick and you know they wanted tea and they were giving me this and that 
And I thought, yay, chapstick would be an awesome thing to share. I mean, their lips were cracked all the way through to the back of their mouth. You know, it was yeah. just dry. It's the desert. So they put it on, <laughs> and they couldn't spit it off their face fast enough. They thought it was completely <laughs> disgusting, not possible. It, you know, I worked in international development, so I'm telling a funny story. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of useful things and projects and exchanges, but I wanted to ask you specifically, being as intuitive as you are, how do you, other than the spirit calls that you get through dream work and meditation, how do you give really what the people need? I show up. I, I without, um, I, I absolutely do not take a anthropological, you know, approach to this. It's, it's, um, it's really wanting to respond to another human, uh, re- human's request for help. So when I, the first thing I do, and I've always, always until most recently traveled by myself because frequently I don't know where I'm going. You know, I've never been there before and I don't know what dangers possibly lie ahead. So I'm willing to put my my life on the line for this purpose, but I certainly wouldn't um, want to be responsible for anybody else. And then when I get there, then face to face, I ask, how can we, the Tribal Trust Foundation, help you? Yeah. Why did you call us? Yeah. And that's 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 it. So there's there's um, no expectation of anything and no ideas in my mind of how we as an organization can help them. It's really uh, has to be grassroots sustainable. And the yeah. only way that's going to be the case is for the people to be personally and collectively invested in the outcome. Yeah, which takes time sometimes to build that trust. Oh, uh, yes. Tribal trust. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it means. <laughs> Well, it, it's so true. I mean, I was in Niger, Africa, right after 9-11, which was a very interesting mission. I was hired by the State Department. And they had this huge guy with an AK-47 <laughs> following me around everywhere. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to communicate with people if you have that behind me. Exactly. It just really doesn't work. So let the guy go home and have a nice lunch. I'm doing this on my own. So I appreciate that you do yeah. that. It's very important. Very important. And and I I considered um, the way I look, and I'm looking at a, at a younger reflection <laughs> of me um, in you, and I feel that our packaging, I would call it, is um, really serves me. It has served me, and, and it sounds like it served you, where we're non-threatening. But if I was um, my husband, for example, yeah. you know, male, um, bigger build, American, furrowed brows, yeah, you know, lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's 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 a, an energy that it is it it puts up an alarm for some of these um, people and who feel very vulnerable. Yeah, where we you know we can be we can neutralize that yeah well you and i were joking earlier about being raised to be stepford wives and then taking the path less followed and we certainly did and it's it's one reason i started this show because i wanted to create other archetypes of women out there for other women to go oh oh i could be that i could do that exactly i mean how important is that it's wonderful, and I'm so grateful that you are literally broadcasting <laughs> another way of being in the world that we all have access to if we just remembered Everyone. and cultivated it. And 
honestly, until maybe four years ago, and again, mind you, I've been on this path before, before the tribal trust. So it's, right. it was, it's been at least 30 years. And I, it wasn't until most recently, four years ago, that I started to share openly that indigenous people do communicate that way through me because I was afraid people would think I was crazy and I didn't want mm -hmm. it to reflect on uh, negatively on the Tribal Trust Foundation because it the the organization itself shared the mission really it, it doesn't um, it, it's not about one person right. and the credibility of the whole board would be <laughs> at stake if I was um, if it was untimely for me to share yeah. that but now it, obviously it, it is the right time and um, and now I don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a great point. I mean, I, I always say every organization, every company is an entity that can communicate. Just like a woman in a village that's sending you that spiritual call through meditation or, or um, a dream. I have built several companies and I literally talk to the entity. I say, hey, what do you want? Why, why are we here? We're actually listening to you. We're the minions. You are a strong, potent creature. What do you want? Why are you here? And I feel like if I could say, you know, I've watched you from afar and I watched Tribal Trust Foundation create itself and get stronger and attract the right people that would get it to allow you to be yourself and attract other people willing to be themselves and kind of have a coming out party. <laughs> like Maya. I know Maya. She's incredible. Incredible. Everyone and, on the board. Oh, my yeah. gosh. They're just and they're so supportive of you and they really get it you don't you don't have to Educate explain at, at nauseum mm -hmm. so congratulations for attracting amazing people around you that is intuition that's that's a good point <laughs> and and everyone on the board um has has that skill set yeah so we're we i feel even though we're small, we're mighty because we tap into that other um, tool. Yeah, really for and our organization. And you've never stopped. I mean, you sent up the the flare, and you just keep sending up the flare, and then people find you that really want to go for it and really want to fix things. And yeah, that was the other thing that I've learned intuitively, not to ask. Our mo, as I had explained earlier, is to show up and and listen. But the the indigenous people are the ones that that called called the tribal trust. So yeah. we're pulling in the people that we apparently can help, and the same for um, the board members. Even all of them, they're not out asking people to come become a member of the tribal trust. It's people who resonate with the mission and and are responding to Earth's call that we need to take action. There's an urgency to. Yeah help preserve these indigenous cultures that are that hold libraries of knowledge and beyond that beyond even their wisdom just within their language they are they they are so rich in diversity and and actually things i can't even discuss because i don't i don't know about them and no, and no one does we need more time yeah and if they if they disappear we've lost it forever yeah but you putting the stake in the ground has given people the ability to fulfill their life's mission, 
right? Like you've now allowed the board and everybody else that is coming around you saying, oh my gosh, sign me up. I'm part of this. I yes. know I'm part of this. Thank God you're here. Oh, <laughs> Thank God it's you're here. Um, <laughs> and I, I wanted to just touch on, I think names are very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I was little, I was like, really, Megan Joy? What am I, a Care Bear? This is horrible. How could you name me this? And then I realized, oh, Oh, I actually have to live up to this. Absolutely. So Barbara Savage. 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 <laughs> Tell me a little bit about it. Okay. So interestingly, <laughs> at first when I was a little girl, I was I, I confronted my parents. And it's not just Savage. It's Barbara, which I can. There's an easy way to, as a little girl to think that, oh, my God, you have. Why did you call me your daughter, Barbarian Savage? <laughs> And then I uh, grew into the name, not as a barbarian savage. I realized that the, the English language culturally has, has changed the meaning of these words. Savage, to the indigenous people that I'm meeting um, around the world, they actually embrace my name. And it's a positive because they, they look at that as being uh, wild, more free. Yeah. And uh, and it wasn't it was the negative connotations that that the again the Western culture placed upon that name because of colonialism basically yeah. you know wanting to take over that they um, that they were trying to uh, say lesser than right like get your two car garage and your little labradoodle exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and your ten iPhones with several accounts. <laughs> well, and so you and I, we live this kind of wild life. And here we are in Santa Barbara, which is so picturesque and comfortable and safe and all these things that people dream about. And we had massive, massive trauma happen in this community. And I know your home was inflicted it wasn't destroyed but you know how did you feel like oh wow I can be wild abroad but don't touch home I mean how did it feel for you yeah it was um it was a near-death experience is how it Tell felt us. the I did feel um and I still feel our home is our sanctuary I before I when I first moved here when I was just thinking about moving to Santa Barbara and I was on my own personal scouting trip I just rented a car and followed my intuition and to see where it guided me and it guided me to Toro Canyon oh, gosh. out of all of Santa Barbara County I I, I, I said this is where I'm to be this is this feels like home and then I, I released that not knowing when that would ever happen or if but absolutely that was where I was drawn to and then the home we live in is is just very special it you know it's an adobe we have solar we have all native plants and I've had every year, at least annually, if not more, a shaman from a different culture comes to um, the tribal trust host them. And frequently they come to our home. We use that as the public venue, yeah. basically, for people to come and meet the shaman and have blessings and things like that. The, the, I call it a tsunami of mud that went by r right next to our house. Mm. If, you, if, if you looked at the creek, which is now the canyon next to our house, we lost 15 feet of mud. Mud, <laughs> and it was mud. Earth. 15 feet of, of our property, it would have gone directly through our house. 
except for and and it actually went around the area a depressed area in the back of our house where we we the shaman most uh, a shaman most recently from um peru a caro he had done a fire ceremony so he absolutely affected the physics of the mudslide energetically and what i what i surrendered to i actually wasn't scared it when i I woke up because the house was shaking like an earthquake and the it sounded like a freight train coming towards me and I looked out the window and I could see mud in my backyard rising <laughs> so when I ran downstairs and um, got the dogs in and filled you know filled up the water uh, the, the rest of the filtered water because you know we had no electricity at that point and went back upstairs after I did all I could do about survival for my survival I just lay down on the bed and I and a, just a peace, a, a deep peace crossed over me. And I, I prayed to the ancestors, God, and I said, if I've lived my purpose, take me. Yeah. And I was really okay with that. I don't, I don't understand how or why I didn't think about the pain factor because I actually have a very low threshold for pain. But I wasn't afraid of, of anything. I just, I really just was like, okay. And I visualized floating away on this, this uh, mounding mudslide. And 15, 20 minutes later, I'm still alive. And I was thinking, you know, second thought, and I actually said this to them, okay, if I haven't lived my purpose, I'm in the nonprofit world, we need funding. <laughs> if time is of essence, pl please. Because actually I had written five grants the year before for a one specific project and, and I didn't get any of those grants. And I still had a couple more requests out there, but we do, the and tribal trust does need funding to do our work. Yep. And we're, we, the ask is, is, you know, when it's appropriate and there's a synergy, yep. it comes naturally and that's fine, but no different than seeking the, the, we don't seek the indigenous people who are helping. They come to us. Our, our wish is that the philanthropists who resonate with the mission of the tribal trust or corporations, businesses who want to align with us will come to us. And that's yeah. now just starting to happen, which is really wonderful. And it has happened so like fast forward from within 24 hours of, of that situation at 3.30 in the morning on um, January 9th, within 24 hours, I got funding wired into my account. Well, I had, I didn't even have cell phone service. But Amazing. when, as soon as I did, I, I was, I got an email confirming that the money was wired in, which sent me to Namibia last month Amazing. for this project. So th again, I think intuition is, um, is really suggesting a, a something even beyond the intuition. You're tapping into the source. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the, the skill set that everyone um, could benefit from if they would cultivate it, uh, at least honor, honor people who have made those connections. Yeah. Well, and, you know, one, one thing I, I love to ask people is, when did you realize that the voice that you were listening to was your intuition and not your ego? When did you start to decipher the difference? Because a lot of people say to me, well, how do you know? You're just bossy. You're just telling me something I don't want to hear. You know, is you, that people sometimes, yeah. I mean, some people are like, oh, thank you for saying that. I love you, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes people get offended. 
mm-hmm. by intuition. Of course, I've learned to um, share it more appropriately. But, you know, it took time for me to decipher between willful ego and true intuition just coming through me. It's very different. How, how did you, when did you discern? I've never had that issue. <laughs> I have to be honest. I, 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 prob- I probably get in trouble sometimes because I'm so direct because I am just not filtering. I'm, I'm speaking That's from my beautiful. heart and my intuition. So I know that if I'm getting a message for someone, the only burden of responsibility for me is to frame it in a way that the other person can hear it, yeah. hear yeah. the message. Well, and I think there's a really, there's a very interesting connection. I don't have the whole story. I've got a long life to live. But between the energetics of intuition and the energetics of money, they're very connected. Mm. They're probably the same. And so when you talk about fundraising, you talk about putting something out there, or I want to build a business and I want to attract this amount of money to do it. You know, it's the same, the way we do it. It's same energetic so i haven't i haven't made that connection before before this year <laughs> as far as thinking corresponding the the finances with the intuition although it's been a subconscious thing because yeah. i'm i i have personally manifested um you know many times yeah but i the, thank you for that. I I really haven't thought of it. <laughs> well, and in it's, those terms. it's so interesting because I remember, you know, the secret and they were like, you can manifest anything you want. And they show this mansion with a five car garage uh, right, and right. all that. And I'm like, well, that's not really my goal. But I really appreciated some of the things that were said in that. And that was the first kind of broadcast out into mass society. Like, hey, you're actually responsible for your own life. <laughs> <laughs> You're <And> dreaming so, <laughs> a dream. <laughs> um, you know, I think, so So I will say that some of my, well, many of my dreams over the last 20 years have been about what is coming and preparing for that. And like you, I've been in many cultures where the happiest people have almost nothing. And I'm like, wow, America, first world country, get used to having less and sharing more. Absolutely. <laughs> what would you like to share about that? <laughs> I, I've, well, having just come, I'm going to reference the San um, Bushman in the Kalahari because the one community that the tribal trust um, responded to their call for help and we we were effective in helping present geno- um, prevent genocide of these people wow. so I was returning to the same community 20 years later oh, and there's still the government is still intent on genocide but in a different way that's a sidetrack I won't go there but what was now the instead of I'd say 500 people that were living traditionally in grass huts and doing their trance dancing and um, hunting, gathering and happy, you know, happy people. I don't know if you saw the, ever saw the gods must be crazy. Yes. Well, that's the tribe that <laughs> yep. hunt yep. sea community. They yep. speak in a clicking voice and yep. they tread very lightly on the earth and happy people. Well, I came back down to 75 living like that. 
And it's because the Western culture and development keeps encroaching upon their traditional way of life. And it's not bringing, it's only bringing to these people what I witness, I'm not an anthropologist, but I can see in their faces, it's bringing pain and suffering. Yeah. There, the, the, the last, the 75 that, that I was with, the medicine woman that was the original woman who called me in a meditation, I asked them, I said, so, so is it, first of all, is climate change affecting you in any way? Besides, I knew about the government, so I didn't even go there with that conversation. And they're saying, yes, you know, we're having less water, so it's affecting yeah. how much food we can gather. And that they've always been limited in their hunting. You know, they don't. They're not, um, they, they really understand about sustainability and they, and they honor the spirit of each animal. So they only would kill enough to feed, you yeah. know, the people. And they said, yes, we know we're getting less rain and it's, at, and it's later in the rainy season. And despite that, that threat, which, you know, we're, we have the same threats with, again, yeah. with, with yeah. what's happening here all over um, you know our community as well as the world you know yeah. with catastrophic um, climate uh, issues they said they were still happy they were I'm not talking about a bipolar type yeah. happiness you yeah. know peace happy yeah. and the the one woman said to me she said you know we will be here living traditionally together until the end this is this is this is how we are they're not they didn't they're not seeking anything they weren't asking me for money they weren't asking me for anything it was they 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 were they were definitely hungry because of the like i said the the yeah. lack of um as many nuts and i'm not sure what all they yeah. eat but that was definitely an evident evident issue yeah. but otherwise um that's the piece that i carry back in my heart and yeah. that reinforces my choices uh, to be have less of an impact um, negative impact on the world yeah well you know I'm raising a three and a half year old son and when he doesn't eat his food I show him pictures and videos of Ethiopia I do that's the mom I am <laughs> I'm like dude this is not a choice yeah this is a luxury Absolutely. eat your plate because if you don't eat it, think of the children that would love to eat it. He's like, oh, mama. <laughs> but, you know, you bring a very good point. You know, we're kind of going back and forth between third world countries and first world countries and the, the closing gap. Mm -hmm. So I've been reading a lot about net neutrality. And one recent stat was 60% of the U.S. is surviving on $20 an hour or less. Wow. 60% of our country. So, you know, we talked about water in the last show with a doctor that focuses on water and agriculture. And, you know, there is a lot we can learn about sustainability from Native peoples. And, and more than sustainability, I mean, they're thriving, you know, and it, yeah. on a certain level. And the thing, the beauty, we're also working in Bhutan, for example, which and I've never been to and really want to see. Well, I'm leading a trip in December. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the, what the Mompas, I, you know, surprised me with, really, because I, 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 again, I have 20-year type experience um, being introduced to these different cultures, 
and 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 it was I was embarrassed when I asked after I asked the question. We were the first Westerners to ever meet with the Mompa, the the indigenous people of uh, central Bhutan that mm. predate Buddhism. And I saw within this small community, there are about 120. They live in three different, actually, communities. And when we were all together, there was one man, young man, who, well, maybe I guess he was probably, I'm guessing he would be in his late 20s to 30s, you know. And he definitely... Um, was had some challenges but not so much physically but but um mentally and he wouldn't I, I could clearly see he could not take care of himself on his own and yet he was perfectly groomed you know dressed well you know um well i say well actually i was sad that they weren't in their traditional <laughs> clothes they've already had that change over from the government a very short period of time um, but he was happy. I mean, I mean, he was gleefully happy 24 seven and he was hanging out with us, no barriers, you know, where the other community members were a little bit shy. He was right in there with us. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked one of the, I think I asked, you know, um, my, inter my interpreter. So where does he sleep at night? And the interpreter didn't know how to answer the question. He looked at me dazed and confused, and and I said, "I mean, I mean, where, where's his home? Because clearly, he he you know he he seems to be well taken care of." He goes, "Why, of course!" And that's because he's welcome in all of our homes. <laughs> and I was, as you can see, why I was embarrassed that we have lost that connection. Oh my god, that primal connection. And the other. Um, I think one of the mother talking about fine, referencing finances, indigenous philanthropy, I call it, um, is and and just their way of being in the world is about reciprocity, yeah, about respect, relationships, connection. These are it's value based. So they they don't most of the cultures that we the tribal trust began working with didn't use money, yeah, and even to this day we don't give money directly to indigenous peoples uh we 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 support the projects directly yeah, yeah. you know because i i understand money can be a, a tremendous force for good but it it's not our indigenous way of being in the world yeah so well and i think i mean if we want to really go out there <laughs> i don't think i don't think money will hold in our lifetime I think we'll be bartering potatoes and tomatoes and a warm bed and some roofing from palm fronds. Like I really, I see regional enclaves of um, material resource management and I see it all over the world, not just in third world, so. And that's why community is so important. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and following your intuition. <laughs> well, and so, um, you have a book coming out, The Shaman's Daughter, A Path to the Ancestors. Do you feel like you had a second father or was your father a shaman? Oh, good question. <laughs> well, basically, after I, I, I wrote my memoir, which was an instruction. I'm sure. I, I, I'm, I own it. I'm not a great writer. But I do have a good story that I, I hope, the only reason 
why I'm sharing it besides the fact I was instructed to <laughs> spiritually is that I want to I want to share my story to help inspire others. Good. And basically after I wrote the the memoir, it's now being um, edited. I'm working with a ghostwriter to make it uh, um, to fill in the the gaps, mm -hmm. you know, from from my writing. Enrich it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Um, I I questioned when I was trying to work on a title, what is this uh, about? Like, why am I this this truly Western person? I was raised, you know, by conservative um, parents, raised Presbyterian, and I just didn't understand why I am so driven to the point of risking my life to help indigenous cultures. And when I'm with these cultures, it feels like home. I am so, I just resonate with just sitting in the circle. And I, and I didn't, I couldn't understand what that was about. So I was expressing that at a writing, at a writing retreat to someone. And she said, have you ever considered doing a quantum healing hypnosis therapy session? Hmm. Hmm. And I, and what is that? Yeah. So I, <laughs> she explained more and uh, I encourage everybody to, to Google it because <laughs> I don't want to misrepresent what it is. But from, I, at first I had quite, quite a lot of resistance because I thought, first of all, no one, I, no one could hypnotize me because I, I mean, I don't do plant medicines. I, I don't, I only, I only drink wine because I know how much I can drink. Yeah. You know, I'd like to be in control of my mind me basically. Too, yeah. And yet I, my intuition was do this. So I, I, I went to this woman who was good referencing and, and basically I right when I lay down and she's just started talking to me, she was able to get me into that hypnotic state where I was present, but I was also in another rea dual reality. And it was, you know, and I, I, before I entered into that, I said, you know, this is business for me. I need, I wrote out a whole page of questions <laughs> that I wanted her to ask my higher self, if you want to call it that, um, <laughs> while I was in an altered state. And, and the she's number like, one. Okay, sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, but interestingly, the, fir the first, I mean, in she did do that. Wow. I, she went through every question. Wow. That I asked when, and I got my answers from my, uh, myself, what, why all this happened. Um, you know, in this, in this lifetime, but basically the first question was, you know, what lifetime, what prior lifetime, if, if there was one is instructing this lifetime, like, why am I so, why do I know that this is my purpose so, so strongly? Yeah. Which I know is a gift too, because yeah. I, I, I feel fulfilled, you yeah. know, each day. And she took me after I was having some fun experiences being a shaman in a prior life. Then she took, she said, okay, now it's time go to this lifetime. And all of a sudden I saw myself as a little girl and I was just surrounded in black darkness like darker than the nighttime it seemed. And I was, and when I responded to her, I got to hear the tape afterwards. So I, wow. I could hear that I was speaking in a little girl's voice and she was asking, well, <gasps> what are you wearing? And I was like, leather. And she said, well, where, where are you standing behind a tree? And then she said, well, just keep looking. She guided me softly, you know, into having the veil lifted so that I could actually see the scene. And then I realized why I didn't want to see, see the scene, why that veil was there. 
I watched my my community and my father, the shaman. I was a Native American, and I watched the cavalry come in. I, you know, being a small five-year-old, the boots. I remember the boots going yeah. past me on the horse. I didn't even see the saddle. You know, yeah. it was just yeah. the leg. And I saw my brother, who was still riding a horse. Both of the, them were killed. Um, the teepees were burned, and it obviously was traumatizing. And and then I was certainly afraid for my life, so I ran. Um, ran back into the forest a little bit and I ended up meeting up with some other little children it seemed like there were maybe 15 to 20 kids I was absolutely the youngest by at least three years or more and they and it honestly was as real as as this I she, it, understand yeah it was it was powerful <laughs> yes and I was standing up and they were all sitting in the circle and they were asking me the youngest of the group to talk to the ancestors to go up in spirit mm. and and under and and get some some um instruction on how to survive mm. and in the vision i saw my arms raised and i'm 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 crying out to the ancestors help help ancestors please help help us how can we survive without our indigenous knowledge and it, that was the epiphany it was like okay <laughs> I, I had the ability to do that at that time. I became the shaman of that yeah. tribe. And I was able to go up and I, I even explained in my dream, I mean, in my dream, I mean, it was under hypnosis, the process, not knowing the Native oh American gosh. way of, of doing that. And then it wasn't until I was reading Black Elk Speak, um, like six to nine months later, where he describes this exact same process that I described in my dream. <sighs> to transcend and, and leave the heaviness of this reality behind, to go up into the spirit world, to have a different, to gain knowledge, um, advice, yeah. and, um, and direction. Yeah. And so that's, so then I realized I needed to honor that lifetime, which is why I called it the shaman's daughter. Sorry, that was Yay! a long answer to your question. <laughs> that is a great answer. But it's so it's so interesting, you know, so many people now I do feel like there's a raising consciousness happening on the planet. Absolutely. But so many people and it's not bad. I'm just saying so many people are going for uh, hallucinogenic plants and mushrooms and CBDs and bull I think drugs I don't know ayahuasca yeah like I'm like you I I do it <laughs> I do it enough naturally right. God forbid you and I ever touch any exactly of that stuff and I I do feel there's a place for it in moderation with, um, guidance. with guidance and a lot of unpacking and self-care before and after um but your story is so good and now I understand why you why you called the book that. So that's the foreword to the book. Mm. Yeah. It's so funny, though. I thought I tested it with my kids, who obviously they knew about this whole journey. Uh, well, most of it. And Three kids. When I had a couple of my, um, well, my daughter and one of my sons read the foreword, they were a little upset with the foreword because they said, Mom, this, people, people, are going to res resonate with that you, you have it's about your life's work it's about you know the, what you've been doing in the world they were really uncomfortable with me starting out my my very grounded actually I, I feel my life has been very ground literally grounded with the connection to the indigenous world um and and traditional in the traditional sense that 
they, you know, they they didn't under they didn't understand because of their upbringing that the spirit, like what I was sharing in the forward, it's all integrated yeah. into why I mm-hmm. took those steps each day and had the courage to leave my marriage, yeah. to follow my heart and and open up to my life purpose. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of psychobabble out there about, well, it was a spiritual decision. You know, there's a lot of, (laughs) and so that's another reason I felt so called to start this show because it's, it's each of our responsibilities to know when it's true, when we're bullshitting ourselves, Mm. (laughs) when we're trying to bullshit others, you know, we are all responsible to know the difference and lead our best lives and You've been a tremendous example for your children. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So we'd love to close the show today with a call to action. Um, and I love the guests to do it. If you would like to say to the audience, what, what would be a good call to action? It can be about the Tribal Trust Foundation. It can be about their own work in the world. Yes, of course, it would be wonderful if people would um, support the Tribal Trust Foundation with either a donation or membership, or even just liking us on Facebook, Good. so we can share our, our do, you know, fulfill our mission by sharing indigenous knowledge and in support of nature and global healing. But more importantly, I just want everyone to step up because it's really at the end of the day we're all connected, we're all one. And the earth, as we know, I mean, with the volcanoes going off in Hawaii, the tsunamis here, I mean, it's global. Yeah. Mother Earth is crying. Yeah. And and the indigenous people are the are, are so threatened because they are the, they are connected in spirit and and physically, you know, to almost I look at them almost as acupuncture points around yeah. Yeah. the world. Me too. That's and, and they need their support. So however your skill set aligns with the mission of the tribal trust find your path it doesn't have to be through us find find a way to support our environment to support wildlife to support air land water it's all it doesn't matter to me it's just about taking action step up and show up great Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. Love you. (laughs) you. (laughs) This is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being on the show. So we would like to thank the Sandbox today for hosting our time here at um, this beautiful uh, co-working environment. And Lauren Fries for her creative support and to Anericom for their production and marketing expertise. Bye for now. This is Megan Haverda, hostess of One Hour of Sunshine. Please join us next time um, with Dr. Luke Moss and his incredible wife, Barb, who are talking about bringing healing modalities of the West African baobab tree to um, the modern world through both their pre-probiotic kaibe and facial care products. Amazing, amazing. Have a wonderful day. Bye for now. (laughs) Bye.